Our world is dying, politicians are lying, and just when you feel like crying, sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves. Hi, I'm Claudia. I'm Evie. And we are the hosts of The Poo Cast, a podcast where we basically tell stories about people pooing themselves, because, you know, everybody poos. Everybody boos. You have such a nice voice. I'm, can you do it in your Diana Vickers voice? Oh, yeah, but I feel like it's a very niche group of people that are going to know who Diana Vickers is. Go on, do it. Okay. Wait, everybody poos. Everybody poos. Everybody poos. Everybody poos. I hope Diana hears that. Big fan. Big shout out. Um, so, the podcast is also a podcast that will focus on and discuss the issues surrounding bowel and bladder conditions such as IBS, Crohn's, colitis, celiac disease, cystitis, urinary incontinence, and plenty more. I almost could not keep up I love with how, how many. <laughs> Introduce that. <laughs> Kasabian. Woo! We got Crohn's disease. We got colitis. That was sorry. I'm just excited. And do you know what? Here at the Poocast, we strive to find the humour in all we do. It gives us a release, might I say. Well, steady on. Absolutely. Uh, And so we also share funny stories about when people have either pooed themselves or, in fact, when they've wet themselves. Have you ever wet yourself, Evie? Do you know what? I'm not a big game player in the piss yourself stakes. I've shit myself far more frequently, but I did actually... (laughs) wet myself in year one once and I remember I was like asking my teacher if I could go to the toilet and she was like no you can't you can't I was like I'm obviously gonna piss myself and then I was just at her desk I was like she was marking myself and I literally just looked her like dead in the eye and I was like miss I'm pissing (laughs) she was like go go she's gonna kill me for saying this but my little sister she was really little I think she must have been about seven or something she um used to play percussion in uh, like the local the local band. She sounds very cool. She was super cool. Um, and she was really nervous at a local performance, and she pissed herself when we were all watching her play the drums. Oh no! And then later on, she was so upset, and my mum was like, "It's okay, darling. It's absolutely fine. You're just nervous." She goes, "No, no, no. I was just crying." And that's that was her explanation of oh she was crying of her entirely wet trousers. Oh. Bless her. I'm really sorry that I just shared that to everybody. It's also so sweet that she thinks the best excuse would be I know I'll just say I was crying. I was crying. That's, that's why there was a massive puddle by the big bass drum. <laughs> big bass drum. <laughs> Is that what she played? Yeah, she did. <laughs> oh God. This week our focus will be on stoma bags, and we have an amazing guest coming up for you, which we will talk about in a little bit. But we usually start our episode with asking each other. How's your bum? How's your tum? Evie, how's it How's it all hanging? Oh my good, well, it's not, it's not, not that... Not no, it's not bit. hanging like that. There so. is some hangage, but not completely. Um, now, I have had a big week. So this, uh, this actually happened last week before any public toilets were open. Okay. So I'll set the scene. There are no park toilets in the park open. There are no pubs open. There's, I can't go to the toilet anywhere. Uh, and I was working from home. I was on a Zoom call and I was like, oh, I... There, a dodgy tummy is happening like there was something not quite quite right and I was literally like turning the video off and like rocking back and forth because I had such a bad stomach um and finally the zoom call comes to an end I rushed to the toilet and the, our toilet's blocked it's literally like the water's up to the rim so I don't know why I decided to do this I flushed it and it like started it got I made it fucking so much worse and I was like what am I gonna do because I'm going I need to shit really badly and I 
we have one toilet in our flat and there's nowhere to go and I was like I'm just gonna have to across the road from me is a park where I did actually poo in the bushes there about a year ago (laughs) when I was at work and I was looking after because I I do childcare and I was looking after like a two-year-old and I just like just genuinely distracted her with bubbles while I shat behind a bush it's a good distraction technique yeah, I do, I do it with my boyfriend. Do you carry <laughs> bubbles around with you everywhere? Look at the pretty bubbles. Um, so I was like, I'm going to have to return to the scene of the crime, the sure. place I pooed about 12 months ago. Um, but then our friend just moved nearby. And I was like frantically calling her like, I need to come and use your toilet because my toilet's overflowing. So I was like running to her house and basically just had to go for a poo in her house because ours was blocked and there was nowhere else to go. So it was a bit of a big week. That is a big um, week. And then... So then later on that week, I was working, looking after another kid and the parents, they live in this really, really nice area and they gave me keys to their allotment. Yeah. So it's got like, I don't know how many patches for how many houses, but I'm going to say there are at least 30 and it's in really, really like affluent area. Really nice. So they gave me the keys and I thought, obviously this is just after me considering me shitting in the park. We get into the allotment, let myself in and then I see this sign. There's like a shed as you come in the allotment and then I see this sign important notice human excrement has once again been found on this site not only is this extremely unpleasant it can help spread diseases such as covid19 hepatitis etc anyone allowing this to happen will receive a notice to quit and will lose their tenancy with immediate effect as in you're allowing it to happen as in like you know you're either doing it i suppose or but or you were an onlooker well so yeah you were kind of you know, i knew so, like, you were responsible because yeah. you didn't intervene, someone shitting. Now, I was like, was it me? Did I poo in this allotment? I genuinely can't remember. I don't know either way if I shit myself in there. But, um, so, I don't think it was me. But then I was like, what kind of situation is going on where two people are pooing, or the same person twice is pooing in the allotment? And, like, it's a really nice area, and it's like a gated allotment. No one, no one can get in. Unless you've got the key. This is unbelievable. So I've now starting my own murder mystery podcast called Who's <laughs> Shit in the Allotment. No, I'm not going to do that. Can't be asked. Um, but yeah, basically, somebody's pooing in the allotment. And I won't say where the allotment is, but it's in South East London somewhere. Everyone watch out. I know. How How is your bum and your tum, Claude's? Oh, like, my tum's had a really rubbish week, actually. Why? I, I've been having... I did have quite a bit of pizza one night and mm. then and dobles. So I had a really bad, like, really bad bloat situation. Well, you've got to look yourself in the mirror then, haven't you? Well, this Face is actually what I wanted to do was show you what I looked like because I'd never shown you how bad my bloats can get. So I sent you a picture, didn't I? You did. Saying this is what I look like when I have an IBS flare-up and I get a really bad bloat. So I asked my boyfriend to take a picture of me. And you know, like, <laughs> it's like the Titanic, you know, when he's like, paint me like one of your French girls, take paint a picture like- of me with a big bloat. <laughs> but the thing is, like, he got so into it. You know, like, these um, these celebrities have these maternity <laughs> shoots. <laughs> you know, like, Nicki Minaj has just bought hers out, or like, Beyonce when she's the wearing twins. that big crown. That's what he was, I was like, just one photo will suffice. Like, you don't need, or oh, try down this <laughs> angle, try or lift your top up a bit more, like, fuck off. I put just, it on portrait mode. <laughs> the natural light is atrocious in here. Let's try it. Like it was, it was just like okay. I think he is almost a little bit more fascinated with this the more he's listened to the podcast. And actually, similarly, I have noticed that my work colleagues, after listening to the podcast, specifically after listening to my episode about IBS, I had a flare up at work last week, and mm. immediately one of the girls I work—I mean, I'm very lucky to work with amazing people anyway—who've always been very kind to me. 
but I'd never told them that I had IBS. Mm. And immediately she could see that I was a bit uncomfortable and I was sweating and getting a bit distressed. She was like, I don't have any um, peppermint tea with me, but I've got some mints in my bag. Will that help? And she listened to it. And I thought that was amazing. And one of my other colleagues had then said to me, do you remember when we had to send you home last year? And I'd completely, I basically like blocked out that there was a time last year, there was a day where I'd had a really bad flare up and I was on the staff room floor, jeans undone, rolling around. And everybody kept saying, have you eaten something wrong? Like thinking that I had like food poison or something. And I just kept saying yes, because I didn't want to, I just don't know why I didn't want to share it with everybody, but I didn't feel comfortable. And like my boyfriend had to come pick me up from work because I was in such a state, like I couldn't, they didn't want me to go home on my own. So the moral of the story is my bum and tum haven't been amazing, but it's been a lot easier to deal with because people now know that I have IBS and it's been really nice. So the moral of the story is if you've got a problem, make a podcast about it and it'll make your own life better. That's what I'm saying. Just get really narcissistic and self-indulgent and just make people listen to your problems. I had a bit of a dark thought, though, this week, whenever I was like, oh, I'm getting a bit of an upset stomach. (laughs) It was like, well, it's all just just podcast content now. (laughs) Cares what happens. You are just like scouring on gluten like absolutely devouring it just so that we can have some more stories to tell yeah binging on subway baguettes we actually did when we released the podcast on evie and myself were were very nervous about releasing the podcast as anybody would be (laughs) and i got such a bad bloat from being so nervous and i messaged evie to say well isn't this fucking ironic and what did you reply Oh, yeah, I'm shitting myself. Like, literally, I had such bad diarrhoea. And I was like, the whole point of this podcast is to talk about it, and it's it's given us both, like, the dodgiest stomachs. Permission to discuss condition. So this week, our focus will be on stoma bags, and we are honoured to have Moeed Majid join us. Moeed has Crohn's disease, and he is a presenter. He was a model for Rimmel for Men. I mean, hello. And... He is the host of his own podcast, The Puff Podcast, and a new online series, South Asian Creatives. Moe provides his followers via blogs and Instagram with a clear understanding of what stoma surgery looks like and how to lead not just a normal life, but a pretty badass life with a stoma. Welcome, Moeed. How the hell are you? Yo, man, sorry. I'm just uh, laughing a little bit because that is a very unusual <laughs> introduction. And by unusual, I don't mean bad. I mean, that is... Thank you for that. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, it's very kind of you. you Gas is here. Helium's up in my head. I feel like I'm floating away. <laughs> what I'm but so, no, thank you for having me. I'm super looking forward to this, uh, guys, really. Oh, so it's welcome. our pleasure. Marie, we usually start by asking each other how our bums and tums are. Can we ask you how your bum and tum is? My bum and my tum. My tum is has a few extra layers after lockdown, to be honest. Um, yeah which I'm getting used to. I've had to start like intermittent fasting kind of to reduce those layers, but they're there nonetheless. I think I'm pre- prepping for the hibernation of winter. Um, <laughs> but my time is okay. It's up and down. Um, I'd say 97% of the time it feels good, which is consider. So I've got a surgery. Obviously I, since my stoma surgery, it's uh, it's been pretty good. But before that, obviously it was 97% of the time was bad. Um, every now and again, I get a bit of a rumble. I'm like, yo, is that what I used to go through every day? Like I feel, I feel like I've become soft, man. It's mad. But um, I took my medication recently, so things should be okay if, uh, on that front. My bum bum, um, it's there in it, man. I don't really use it that much. Squeaky clean, man. Squeaky clean. <laughs> Probably got some cobwebs up there too, man. Look up for that. I'm guess. Uh, 
But it's all good, man. It's all good, man. It's all right. It's all right. To be honest, I might have surgery to rip it all out, man. So I might, have to, might be sewn up soon. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, I, you know, thankfully, Touchwood, I am, uh, I am feeling okay. Thank you very much for asking. So can we just quickly touch on uh, Crohn's? So when were you diagnosed with Crohn's? So, um, yeah, it's crazy to think about. I, I got diagnosed when I was 19. I'm 29 now. Madness. So 10 years. Um, I got diagnosed in my the beginning of my second year at university, um, and it went like downhill from there. Um, and yeah, man, it was just about kind of like learning to adapt with the condition and this new kind of lifestyle that I've I've been blessed with. You know what I'm saying? So you know, uh, it took time. You know, a lot of mental strength, a lot of ups and downs. You know, depression. You know, weight loss. You know, fatigue. Not eating. Antisocial. <laughs> Isolation. I was self-isolating, bro. Six. I trendsetter out here, bro. You trendsetter. It. Trendsetter, bro. I was, you know, willingly self-isolating like seven years ago. So you said it was at university. Did you feel like you didn't get the university experience because of everything you were going through? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, my first year was fantastic, man. I was a bit of a social guy. You know, I thought it was the, I thought it was the bee's knees. Um, you know, I had lots of friends. You know, the course. You know, surprisingly, I was doing well in that too. Um, which was obviously why I was there. But yeah, I got diagnosed when I was 19 and it kind of just went downhill. Um, I lost like 10 kilos in a month, which wow. was mad. Yeah, literally, I think it was December 2010. I lost 10 kilos and I remember I called my mom. I was like, mom, there's something wrong with me. And then she called the hospital and I think January 2011, I started getting tests. And I think in February, they diagnosed me with Crohn's. And then I was like, okay, cool, what's the cure? Obviously, there's no cure right now. It's just like, like a still no cure 10 years later which is fine but it was, it was learning how to adapt with that which I didn't do at first I completely like rejected and like denied the fact that I had this thing I was like yeah whatever man obviously inevitably got way worse living that university lifestyle I thought I was invincible fried chicken pizza at 3am you know going out doing whatever yeah got way worse over the next year and then I had to like sit myself down and say yo bro like what's going on right now you know things are dead you have to try and figure things out, you know, you know, do you really want to live like this? And, you know, I had that conversation with me probably like three or four times a year. So it wasn't just once, you know, you've got to continually reassure yourself. But for the next five years, it was horrible, man, horrible. Like sometimes I forget how bad it was, you know, I, I had to retake a year, then I left uni, then I was like at home for a year. I ended up contracting TB, tuberculosis because of the, because of the immunosuppressant. So for a year, I was on like 25 tablets twice a day for that. Crohn's was on the back seat, so I recovered from that, and then it was kind of like trying to manage the symptoms, and it got to a point where everything was just bad, man. I had like eight, I had um, abscesses, three like perianal abscesses. So if you don't know what those are, it's just like basically when bacteria get stuck in the lining of your intestine and begins to eat away, and then it basically eats through your intestine, goes finds its, tunnels its way to the surface of where your skin is but it can't get through so it begin, begins to collect like mucus and just pussy stuff and so they end up having to drain it but then you've got this unnatural tract and so as things pass through your intestine they go through that little tract and they just come out of random places you know what i'm saying it was the well i had to wear fucking pads fam like girls bro it was mad fam now you know now you bro. know <laughs> bro man i used to get burnt up bro oh my days fam it had a vaseline everything um <gasps> But that was the, probably the worst thing I went through. And I remember, man, like confidence low, like completely short. I didn't want to go out and do anything. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. That's really interesting what you're saying, because you're saying on one hand you've got Crohn's, but that is almost 
sort of just one thing what what for you was the most uh difficult thing to deal with was it the effect it had on your mental health or was it other you know you said you contracted tb i mean what what do you think was the most sort of difficult part i think at the time you never know what's difficult like you just got to deal with it you know you, you either like allow it to to, to you allow yourself to crumble which i don't recommend or you have to kind of just like you know trudge along you've got a soldier through it looking back now 100 it was the abscesses was the worst thing ever um it was so i felt so vulnerable you know it was so intimate like it was horrible 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 um and that led to me you know having conversations about surgery and that's when that whole idea of the stoma came about but before that you know obviously going to the bathroom uncontrollably is not a nice thing you know be not having control of when you can go to the bathroom and within an instant you'll find that raw okay if man does not find a toilet right now it is lock off it is shut down art and, attack man art attack <laughs> and did you find you could talk to people about it Marie? i know on our episode um last week with lois she found you know she wasn't really sharing this information with anybody and she was dealing with it all on her own did you find that you could confide in people about it um again i think slowly yes i was put in contact with a few people through the hospital uch shout out and my nurse lisa she put me in contact with like some charities and um, a few other organizations give crones a slap for me if you guys don't know check that that's wicked um, he's, like, <laughs> he's a creative guy matt and uh you know he was the first guy that gave me a platform to kind of share my experience and i'll always be grateful for that but as in it's weird because you're learning about this condition yourself. I don't know what am I going to talk about. I have no idea what's going on with myself, you know, in, with what's going on in my body right now myself. So I had to kind of learn and, you know, it was all about trial and error. And that's the whole thing about these kind of chronic conditions. You have to kind of like test things on yourself and figure out a pathway that suits your lifestyle. And then you can begin to talk about that and share those experiences again though with this condition it's so difficult to learn from other people's experiences because it's such a personal thing something that works for me may not work for someone else and vice versa so whenever i was researching stuff and what people could and couldn't eat i was like right if i eat that it's game over but it's cool for you so that was probably another one of the most frustrating things about this whole thing I could, it wasn't there was no blueprint to follow it's really you know you just got to find your own way but in terms of talking to people yeah obviously i spoke to my family and my friends again um there's only so much someone who isn't going through the same thing as you can like help you with you know they're there for the emotional support but ultimately like what can they do nothing um so i had to find others that were going through the same thing and this was like the inception this is like the beginning of instagram and all that kind of stuff so people knew you know i was always quite open about just my life in general, I was always, always a bit of like a bit of a class clown and quite open about what I was going through. So people knew to a certain extent that, you know, this guy's got this condition and this is what it can do. But I don't think like the actual deep dive I really shared with anyone until I suppose I was comfortable within myself. And that was once I had this, the, the stoma surgery. Could you talk to us a bit about the stoma surgery? What sort of led to that? What was the kind of, how did that decision come about? And then what, what that involves? Of course, of course. So um, I remember going in for like my fifth or sixth, like hospital stay regarding my abscesses. And a surgeon came and he was like, look, man, uh, we, we're potentially going to think about giving you a stoma bag. At first, I was like, nah, no way. Are you mad, bro? Are you mad? Are you insane? There's no way I'm having this little thing attached to my body. Like, are you crazy? Did you I know cried. when he said that to you? I knew, obviously, I knew what it looked like. I don't know the, 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 the like, full-on implications of the whole process, but 
I just started bawling my eyes out. I remember I was like, nah, fam, this is not happening. Um, but then again, I had to have that, that moment of self-reflection and be like, okay, my life, can I swear, is fucking shit right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Everything was stalled. You know, I was five years behind all of my friends. You know, they'd all finished uni and gone, gotten jobs and I had left uni. I wasn't going back because I'd sick of it. I was working. I think I just started working retail just to get money to survive. And I was like, yo, man, my life is dead, man. This is rubbish. Like, I have to potentially try this and maybe see where it goes. And if it doesn't work, then at least I've tried it. You know, I've always had that mentality where I have to try something and form my own opinion before I can like rule it out, basically. So I'm lucky in that I had a year to process this and mentally prepare myself. So I think December 2014, they told me, uh, 7th of December 2015, I had my surgery. And uh, that's when I started making video blogs about the whole process. So I did one the night before. I look back now, it's such a terrible video. <laughs> because no, I, wasn't cut, I wasn't even cutting things up, man. I literally, I tried to do a whole take for like five minutes. And then when I got one thing wrong, I'd go back to the beginning. Oh. <laughs> but I like that, though. I feel like there are like nine-year-olds now who are unbelievable at TikTok. I'm like, where did you learn? how to do that. You need to have the kind of fuck up phase so that you can yeah. when you start doing good stuff. Yeah. Bruv. I, to be honest, I had some ideas for TikToks today about my stoma. So I'm going to keep, keep locked for those. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I started making video diaries about this whole process. The one night before the one in the morning, uh, and then slowly like just my process of getting better. And you can like see the physical change from the beginning to the end of those videos. They've kind of slowed down now as like my career has taken off in other directions. Um, but it's always something I get messages all the time from people who watch those videos. You know, it's, it's a nice feeling knowing other people can take something positive from that because they're probably just as nervous as I was when I first had that surgery, you know? So, and then again, like with getting the stoma bag, I was, I, I was able to prepare myself mentally for the surgery. And then it was just about like adapting to this new little, my little swag bag, as I call and, it. And <laughs> for our listeners that don't know, can you tell us a bit about what a stoma is and what a stoma bag is? Sure. So, my case in specific, I've got a defunctioning ileostomy, which means they take a part towards the end of my small intestine and they push that through my abdomen area. So it's outside of my body. So in essence, if you imagine a tube uh, and water is going through that tube and at one point in the middle, they kind of bend it and stick it through your body and put a slit in the end. So water will come out of that rather than flowing through to the end of the tube if that makes sense and so when i eat food uh, it will go down through the tube or my intestines and come out at that slit they've made the artificial slit and into my stoma bag uh meaning that my large intestine is dormant basically nothing is going through it because that is the area that's most most affected for uh, for me um and yeah you know since i had that surgery things have been fantastic um the idea was originally to allow it to rest for two years my large intestine so nothing is passing through it allow it to heal but fortunately or unfortunately that hasn't happened you know it hasn't nothing's really happened with it it's just it's just useless you know it's not working so the idea potentially now is to make my stoma permanent which i am cool with uh, originally, I was like, let me try and heal myself, you know, through a change of lifestyle and diet. But ultimately, um, I'm not even going to be able to heal my large intestine because nothing's going through it right now. So, yeah. um, you know, touch wood, you know, things have been picked up and gone really well, thankfully, since having the stone. Obviously, you have ups and downs, but nothing in comparison to what it was like beforehand. Are and, there any do's and don'ts with stoma bags, things that you have learned along, along the way? <laughs> 
For sure, man. There's a video actually I'm 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 making right now. Ten things to know about stoma, um, <laughs> which is going to be pretty funny as well. But um, again, yeah, it's just about I suppose again trial and error. There's so many different products. Like you'd be it's mind blowing how much is out there for people with ostomates. Um, different types of bags that fit your body style and sprays and little perfumes and you know all these little bougie cover bags and things like that. Which you could all see Marie doing a very bougie dance. <laughs> yeah. A little shoulder shuffle, a little shoulder <laughs> shuffle. That's the Rimmel model in him. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, man. Stop, 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 stop. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I suppose get used to the fact or acclimatize to the fact that you're probably it's probably going to leak at some point all over you um which is <laughs> funny mortifying but also um a small price to pay with compared to how bad and good you're gonna feel again and once you find your routine so like now i don't eat after like a certain time because i know i'm not going to be able to empty my bag in time before bed having said that two days ago i i came out of my routine because i'm at my friend's house and i ate pretty late and i woke up and almost had a catastrophe in his fully in his fully white sheeted bed which is just behind me you guys can't see it but you know behind you it looks absolutely pristine and... yeah because I, I literally just made it just now before you guys there before there's a shit everywhere um you have to be ruthless as well in terms of what suits you don't let people come out of your routine and you know people have to understand what's best for you you know you have this condition and some people might may be lucky enough to you know live a normal quote unquote lifestyle so put yourself first be a little bit selfish and um, don't let it stop you from achieving your dreams when that's the main thing you know like i my mind is blown you know when i think back like how far i've come and don't want to toot my own horn but it's just mad you know it's crazy you know i never ever thought i'd be doing what i'm doing now and i'm grateful and i'm thankful but also i suppose it's given me a new lease of life you know we've had a few questions in from listeners asking about um dating or love lives with bowel conditions do you have any pearls of wisdom um throughout your your years since your diagnosis or since your surgery for sure for sure i think the main thing is ultimately becoming comfortable within your own skin um once you kind of radiate that energy um you will attract the kind of people you want around you or in your life um at first i was like no way is anyone gonna like go out with me or like like me but again it came down to the fact of me just being like, okay cool i'm happy with the way i look or the way i am or the way i act and maybe not maturity sometimes i question whether or not i'm 14 or like actually 29 years old which is mad 29 oh my days 29 years old i'm 30 next year let's keep that quiet <laughs> um but be open man like i always tell people about my stoma and when you do People are like, okay, cool, it's done, you know. The, the elephant is out of the room, if that even is a phrase, you know. You're like, you're, you're, yeah, let's make it one, man. Elephant's gone, Dumbo's gone. <laughs> so um, the moment you begin to, like, hide things, that's when people start to ask questions, man. The, the, the sooner you're out in the open, then the easier it is for everyone. And what, what helped me go get through this whole thing was that I understand that everyone in the whole world is at some point in their life going to go through some, something that is going to test them physically, mentally, socially, and it is going to, you know, test their character. And this was just my one. Like, I'm sure at some point we all have had something that has been like, oh shit, like what the hell am I going to do? And so I was like, rah, you know, I'm grateful. I can look, I can look, I can see, I can walk, I can talk, you know? So I, I'm more blessed than some people in, on this planet, you know? So, so what? I do a poo in a bag, man, whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a big deal, man. I'm, I'm grateful, you know? People look at me and they're like, rah, there's nothing wrong with me. When obviously I'm I'm technically disabled, I need to get that blue badge, you know. I need to be I'm parking in these. I need to be parking right up close to these. 
you need to get a book contract when are you gonna write all this down it's true man I've, I've been thinking about it but yeah no so that's the kind of main thing in terms of dating man just like go out there enjoy yourself have some fun don't see it as something that is a burden to you it is an addition to your personality don't allow it to define you like i don't I don't, my stoma, you know, I'm me and my stoma is just a byproduct of me. It doesn't like, it doesn't influence the way I behave or my personality in major ways. Obviously I've had to adapt to it, but again, it's sometimes I forget, I get, I've got this damn thing. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just so focused on what I'm doing on my mission that, you know, it's just there on the side. And then that way people see straight past it because it's not like the sole focus of you just to re-emphasize. And if people do face judgment or make you feel uncomfortable, Blocker, 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 leave. Au revoir, bye bye, vamos, get out of here. Do you know what I'm saying, man? Move up, move back. <laughs> and Moe, I'm sure that you've heard from our podcast that we like to uh, share some funny stories with each other. Have you got any that you would like to, to share with our audience? My life is a joke, to be honest. So I have plenty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man. I'll just I have, leave it at that. You don't. I have plenty. Of, so didn't. Sh- no. Yeah. For sure. Like here is. Uh, I wouldn't say it's funny for me, but it's definitely going to be funny for you guys. And when I tell my friends, they're like, "Raw." <laughs> so before I found my routine of not eating very soon before bedtime, I would eat very soon before bedtime, and I'd had a few close calls where I'd wake up, and my stoma bag was like a submarine at the bottom of the ocean. You know, the screws were vibrating with pressure. Do you know what I'm saying? I was like, I felt like I was going to fucking take off, man. It was mental. So I was like, okay, you know what, man? I don't want to risk it, but obviously I continue to do so. So I thought I was clever and I developed this tactic where I would open my, like be half, you know, my body adapted to the point where I'd randomly wake up just before, like as my stoma was like on the verge of popping. I'd wake up and I'd be like, fuck going to the toilet i'm just gonna like let all the air out so i'd open the stoma i released the air by the way i'd released the air this is toxic air this is not no fresh roses like, smelling this you is know toxic those sci-fi air. films where they're like <laughs> release the air like, that's what i was <laughs> if anyone plays call of duty wars and it's like the gas grenade bruv. <laughs> <laughs> bruv eyes watering my mum will come in and think i smoked a fat joint my eyes are red you know like I'd had to open the window, all that kind of madness. Um, oh but at some one point, or maybe more than one point, I'd let the air out, but I'd be so zoned out that I wouldn't seal the stoma bag back up. And so oh. maybe an hour later, I'd like touch my belly and I'd feel this sticky, warm like thing all over me. I'd wake up and I'm like, not again. I'd <laughs> not again. Smeared in my own Nutella, bruv. Just everywhere, bruv. Peanut butter, crunchy. Like, it's just stuff everywhere. And I'm like, for fuck's sake. And then um, I learned slowly that don't have white bed sheets because they don't stay white for long. Don't do that. I developed this technique where I just, like, roll everything into a big ball and then I'd have to, like, hose it down and then fucking chuck it in the machine. I love the um, specific technique for that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've got it down. Yeah, man. Rav, man, you, you, yeah, because, again, you're, you're covered in it. So you have to kind of, like, roll yourself in this ball as well and it, jump straight into the shower and just, yeah, dose, douse yourself down. Is it possible for like a stoma bag to pop? Like, could that happen? So the stoma bag itself doesn't pop. Let me just like confirm that. I don't want to scare people. What happens is it, it sticks to your body through an adhesive. Yeah. So the pressure and the air will begin to lift the adhesive off the skin. And so it comes through that. Uh, the stoma bag, I've never had any issues with the stoma bag. You know, they, they, they're awesome. They're waterproof. They, 
they look fine you know sometimes yeah just you can get different sizes depending on how much output you have and all that so the stoma is the stoma bag's never ever broken um and i've had it for five years so i've gone through a lot of stoma bags do you want me to show you yeah you guys can't even see it for I mean, no but we want to the see viewers it. so i'm wearing short shorts so let me just pull them down you've got short shorts um so that's my stoma bag there look oh. can't really see because of the yeah and so if you want to see my stoma that's my intestine right there the red thing yeah there it is poopoo comes out of that and so how many how many times a day would you have to change it oh i don't change it so i empty it yeah um and then i change the actual stoma bag maybe every three or four days probably four to five days um at the start again i had the wrong type of stoma bag and my shit was basically getting onto my skin and irritating it so i changed it like three or four times a day thinking that was normal wow eventually i'm like right this is can't be right and i I got the right shape and stuff. So now I just keep it on for every three or four days. I'm just gonna... When I was stalking you on Instagram, found your, you know, Rimmel for Men ad. Congrats on that. We also found that you were in a um, article by the Metro um, about uh, colours of stoma bags. Yeah, and I remember that some... now, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I just do it and then they release it and I'm like, I don't even find out until like someone sends it to me. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. yeah, how do you feel about that? Do you know, do you ever, do, do you really mind about what colour your stone bag is? Do you ever feel that you want to kind of go festival vibes and jazz it the fuck up? Or <laughs> is this pretty standard? For me, I'm pretty simple, isn't it, man? Like, it doesn't bother me. I think the main thing is allowing people to have the choice to find a colour that is comfortable for them. Ultimately, like I'm cool with the grey one. It's pretty neutral. Like I wear a lot of white t-shirts. With me, it's cool. Again, I draw on it sometimes. Smiley faces, little messages, or whatever. Pimp, pimp it out. It's a bit um, like you know when you like in school and you broke a bone or something and like, <laughs> your cast, like, on the cast. On the cast, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, man. The thing is, I can't really get like famous people to style my stomach because eventually it's going to be full of shit. So I'm going to throw it. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> and Moida, if people want to find you, where can they find you on social medias or YouTube platforms, etc.? Hopefully you don't find me. I don't want to see any. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so my Instagram is at Moeed Majid. My YouTube channel, my stoma stuff is at Moeed Majid as well. But yeah, what's good um, is my other YouTube stuff. So I do a lot of um, like videos, like vloggy stuff on that. South Asian creators, though, which is more about representation of South Asians in the creative industry, um, which I'm quite passionate about. So we have loads of cool like Zoom calls with wicked creatives that are trailblazing and um yeah man just holler at me you know i'm always open to speak to people i'm not the most active in terms of posting about crones and stuff because again like i said it's just something that's in the back of my mind it's something that i live with i don't i don't feel the need to post about it regularly there are people out there that do amazing jobs about keeping people like up to date with that kind of stuff and but if someone is wants to speak to me about it i'm more than happy to take the time to speak to you um about anything and if i can help or point you in the right direction i'll be more than happy to do that as well Thank Legend. you so much. That's fantastic. And I'm I'm sure that having you talk about this will help so many people if they're going through it now. You know, perhaps that's something that maybe you didn't have, but it's fantastic that you're offering that platform for other people. So thank you so much. It's really, really wonderful to talk to you. No problem at all. Thank you guys for giving me the platform and you guys doing what you're doing as well. Continue doing it. Um, I think people need to maybe not make a, a laugh and a joke about this whole thing, but feel more comfortable and, and understand that people are going through these kind of things on a day to day. And, you know, you never know if a million people listen to this and just one piece person feels way more comfortable after hearing it, then, you know, you guys have done your job. So big up to you lot, man. Thank oh, you, thank so, you much. so, so I much. I mean, I feel better now as well. Guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. I look forward to seeing the rest of your journey. Stop what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing. 
So this is the part of the show where we read out some of your fantastic turtles that you have been sending into us. Thank you so much for everybody that has sent them in so far. Evie, do you have our turtle of the week? I do. We had um, a wonderful one um, sent to us. It's an IBS-related one. So she says, I may as well share my most embarrassing moment. I have IBS quite badly. So you can share, but please just make it anonymous. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we are going to share that. <laughs> she says, I was in high school in maths double period, and this is when I was 15 or 16. I was sitting at the front of the class, and for some reason, exam season set me off really badly in terms of anxiety, hence mu- multiple rushes to the toilet in school. Anyway, the first period goes by okay, stomach churning and bubbling, letting out two to three silent bombs to try and ease my pain. <laughs> That's her description of it going okay. Silent bombs. It's gone, it's gone really, really well, but her stomach's churning and bubbling. And then it hits me out of nowhere. I feel like I'm pretty much touching cloth. <laughs> Visceral. So I raised my hand and I asked my teacher to go to the toilet. She said no to me four times in half an hour before I had to think of something like I wasn't going to diarrhoea in my pants in class. I wasn't going to be that girl. So I smartly said, Miss, I think I'm going to throw up. So she replied, why didn't you say? Go ahead. So off I went as slow as anything because honestly, if I took a wrong step, I was going to fill my, yes, white pants and skirt. It was a five minute walk across the empty corridors and I'm walking, clenching my butt and holding my ass because that will somehow prevent an accident. And guess what? I noticed that the door is locked. They sometimes locked the doors during class hours to discourage people from wasting class time. So I just couldn't even stop it. I just exploded, filled my pants to capacity is an understatement to be honest and all the way down my legs then the toilet door opens from the inside and the cleaners had been in and I waddled by getting a dirty look I peeled off my now brown skirt and knickers and stuffed them behind the back of the loo and God was smiling down on me because it was PE day and I had spare pants and leggings to put on so I wiped up as best I could changed and I walked back to class got my books, and I went home, pretending I'd thrown up all over myself, even though I must have obviously smelled like poo. I went home and had what I can only describe as a long power shower to wash away the shame. Oh, I think something that really sticks out to me in that story is that she says, God was smiling down on me, and it's like, baby, just shit yourself. (laughs) Don't think God is smiling. (laughs) That's really, really... I am truly blessed. (laughs) Because I had a PE kit. Blessed and highly favoured. What happened to those clothes as she stuffed down the back of the toilet I, that's two stories now where the wrongdoer not that it wasn't their fault yeah but they have stuffed them down the back of the toilet which i'm sorry i my first job was a cleaner of toilets in a, in a primary school yeah i used to do that um and i'm sorry that is not fair to to put that what, on what, the cleaner. What was the other story where they stuffed it behind? Though our our previous turtle with the with the juicy the juicy trousers. Oh they yes. They stuffed them down the toilet. I'm, listeners, it's I must say. Fair. Oh my goodness! Can I tell you about this thing that happened? Oh my goodness. What? I've just remembered this. Oh my god. Ah! Okay, so I I still do. Um, but I used to work full time. I've I've had a lot of jobs. Um, I used to work full time. Um, at a theatre in the West End, a very well known theatre. Mm. I feel like everybody should at least work a year in customer service because the things you find out about the human race are shocking. But the one that will never leave me is that one time on a Friday night at this theatre, 
there was suddenly a commotion outside the gents' toilet. And I have this friend who speaks a bit like this and she calls everyone babe. And she comes running over to me and she goes, babe, somebody's pooped in a bag for life and left it on the door of the men's toilet. (laughs) And she went, and she went, babe, I kind of want to go see it. (laughs) But somebody had pooed in a bag for life and hung it on the back of the door of the men's toilet. They might have forgotten to take it. They might have meant to... Where were they taking it? They were going to sell it on the black market. Well, no, take it home and wash it. If they've had an accident, they've popped it in there. No, as in, Evie, I don't think you're understanding this. They shat in a bag... And just oh, hung it on the back oh, of the there door. Were no clothes there in there. No clothes. Oh, sorry. They just pooped in a bag. Okay, that's disgraceful. Just put it in the toilet. Put it in the put toilet. It. You're in the toilet. I I just want to say though, there's, there's no shame in what she's done. She's 15 years old. No, I she know. She shit herself. She's got exam stress. I I feel there's judgment here, Claudia. Uh, there's not judgment because I actually my mother always talks about how when I was 12 and I once left marks in my pants, I was so embarrassed that I hid them at the back of my cupboard instead of just binning them. I just hid them there, and then she found them like months later I, sorry I actually have a friend who used to go up the guy who used to wee in bottles and then in like empty bottles and put them in his wardrobe because he couldn't be bothered to go to the toilet can you believe that but I mean that? who are these people that do this I just I no I'm sorry I don't mean to like pass judgement I understand that in those moments mm. you're like oh let's just get rid of the evidence but just as somebody who has worked as a cleaner I would just say just think of who is going to have to to, to now carry that burden and also you had a bag where your pee stuff was. Yeah. Put, but put she was young. Yeah, she look, was young. Bless babe. her socks. Bless her white cotton socks. And your brown pants. And your brown pants. It's okay. You can, you know, don't feel shame about that. You've done, you know, nothing wrong. It was an accident and, you know, you got out of that situation. And However, needs must. the person that shat in a Sainsbury's bag for life, you should feel ashamed. I also have a story about my friend who used to work in... Um, I don't know if I can say the shop. She used to work in a, a well-known high street retailing brand for women. And she said that uh, a woman, I felt, I mean, this pulls at the heartstrings. A woman came out with a, ba- a, a dress she tried on and said, I'm really, really sorry. I've just had a baby. Um, and I was desperate for the talk. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant in the changing room. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I've just had a baby. So if you could just take it off my hands, I'm going to go You could just cut the But cord. can I have this dress? No, so she said I've just had a baby and I've been desperate for the toilet and because I've just had a baby my bladder is not you know strong as it could be at the moment I've just weed in the on on this dress I'm really sorry I I I I will buy it I know isn't that really awful so you know these things do happen poo and we gets on clothes it gets in places we don't mean it. To. Maybe we should look into that as a future episode about what can get poo and wee stains off clothes. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm not going to talk about it now, but I'm doing childcare and a girl that I look after, she consistently shits herself. And, you know, she's a shit sister. I've done it. She can do it. But every single day I'm rinsing her knickers to try and get the shit stains out. And I t- what t- <laughs> today I just said, we're going to have to put them in the bin. Yeah. These are too badly stained. So I put them in her bin and then the dad came home and she was like, Daddy, Evie put my pants in the bin. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. Why is that the one thing of all the things we've done today? I made you a cake and you just mentioned that. Yeah, they love to dob you in, mate. Pricks. Um, <laughs> On that note... <laughs> 
We want to thank everybody who's been so supportive to us on social media. So thank you to everyone who is listening, who is downloading. Um, and it's clear there are a plethora of what could be considered embarrassing conditions. And we have a come one, come all policy. So please contact us with any bodily issues you'd like to bring awareness to. So just a massive thank you to everybody. And please, if you are following us, please can you rate us, review, subscribe. It would uh, help us be seen on these channels and it would mean a lot to us. So thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are just at the Poodcast. And if you'd like to email in, the email is thepoodcastofficial at gmail.com. Thank you so, so much for listening and we'll speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.